0: Hello, friends. I miss you guys, and I'm sorry we can't be together right now. Um, I think it's important to just acknowledge kind of what we're going through right now, that this is a hard time, and it's going to be a hard time for us uh, for a while. I think it's a time that really, for generations, we will kind of talk about this season that we are going through and just kind of really beginning to go through. And to be honest, I have really been struggling uh, really for the last couple of weeks with a lot of anxiety and fear. And I've really struggled to kind of stay calm and try to adjust to this new normal that we're going through. And I imagine that many of you guys are struggling as well, maybe with anxiety and fear yourself, or maybe it's more about loneliness and isolation, or maybe just really frustrated uh, with your living situation. It's really hard to share our small apartments with our family or roommates um, all trying to get work done. And it it can be frustrating. And so I think it's important that we just acknowledge our feelings, our frustrations, our fears, um, acknowledge where we are with one another and with God, but also acknowledge that we are going to get through this that we as a community are going to get through this together. And I've been reaching out to almost everybody, uh, or making sure that everybody has been been in contact with all all of our community here at Everyday Church, and I really appreciate that so many of you are asking how you can help. And really, the biggest thing you can do is just be in contact with one another to make sure that people are being um, checked on, that they aren't feeling alone right now, that we're praying for one another and praying really for the whole world right now. Something that's interesting is that months ago when we planned to start this teaching series that we're going to start today, we really had no idea what was going to be going on in the world right now. And um, I think it's really interesting that the topic that we are going to be discussing for the next couple of weeks is very relevant to what we are going through. So for the next two weeks, we are going to be looking at the very important Jewish prayer that Moses taught his people before they went into the promised land um, that we see in Deuteronomy chapter six. This prayer is known as the Shema um, and it has probably become the most important Jewish prayer um, through the generations. It is recited daily um, by Jews around the world. It's the first prayer really that um, children are taught. And we see Jesus quote it when he is asked by Jewish leaders, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he quoted, and we see in Matthew 22 verse 37, he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Um, and that is part of the, the prayer. So the prayer known as the Shema um, begins with the first word in the prayer. It's known for that because in Hebrew, it begins with that word, Shema. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. So in English, that's, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then continues, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So this morning we're going to cover the first part of that prayer, and then next week we're um, going to do the second half of the prayer. So we're just going to be focusing today on, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So this prayer is traditionally recited by Jews when they wake up and before they go to bed. Um... And so what is it about this really short prayer that makes it so important? And how can we uh, use it as a way to kind of recenter ourselves in prayer um, as we are praying this prayer, the prayer of the Shema? So I think this is perhaps a perfect time for us to try to start um, praying this Practice of praying this prayer daily, um, maybe even twice a day, as um, is the custom for so many people. So, if you look at the instructions that the Hebrew people are given um, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, there's so much emphasis on this prayer, and there's all these details that are given along with the words. And so, I'm going to read in Deuteronomy chapter um, 6, verse 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So what we're going to do is we're just going to look at the important words um, to see why they were chosen to be these, these words and this prayer that, was, that is taught generation after generation. So there are actually six different uh, short videos on BibleProject.com, on these words that are found in the Shema. Uh, Feel free to watch them on your own. Uh, Two of them are going to be on uh, words that we're going to cover today, Shema and Adonai, and then the other four we're going to look at next week. Feel free to watch these videos. Some of the content I will use, and um, there's much more in these excellent videos. So, the first word we're going to look at is the word shema. It's translated as hear or listen. But in Hebrew, um, there really isn't a difference for the word hear or something to, that you actually are hearing or listening to and um, the way you act because you hear those words. So, um, if you were going to try to to uh, translate the word, in, the words in English, listen and obey, and uh, translate that into Hebrew, you would just say shema, shema. So the idea that there's really no difference between hearing something and then the way you act when you hear that. So I think a, a helpful way to think about this Hebrew word is the idea of pay attention, right? When you say pay attention to something, you're not just saying hear it, you're, you want that person to, act in a certain way because they are hearing something. So the beginning of this prayer is pay attention to your relationship with God. The next word that we see is the word Israel, um, which of course for us, we think of the country or the land, but here God is referring to his people. So when he says Israel, he's talking about his people. So pay attention, my people. The next word that we see is the word Adonai. So in English, it's translated as Lord, um, and you will see it written out in um, scripture as Lord in all caps. And so that is a specific, um, has specific meaning for the Jewish people and for us as well. When we see that word, especially Lord written in all caps, what it's supposed to do for us is Uh, remind us really of the history of that name. If you remember the first time that God um, tells somebody his personal name uh, to somebody that is Moses, um, in Exodus chapter 3, we see that God shows up and speaks to Moses through a burning bush, and he tries to call Moses to go back to Egypt and to speak to his people, Israel, who are living in slavery there and to tell them that he is going to free them. And Moses has lots of reasons why he doesn't want to do that. And so we see in verse 13, one of them is he doesn't know God's name. So he says, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God says to him, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So here we see God refer to himself. His name is I am. And that Hebrew word um, is the word or the name Yahweh. But because that is such a special um, name and the nature of God and the reverence that the Jewish people hold for God and that name, they don't say that name out loud. So when they're saying Adonai, they're referring to that name of Yahweh. And so every time they would say that name, Adonai, they're acknowledging and they're remembering and they're paying attention to God and the history they have with God as a God who saves them from suffering. The next word um, is translated as our God. So just two simple words, but their importance could really easily be missed here, because when you say that prayer, this word um, is is acknowledging the collective nature of our relationship with God, that it isn't just an individual relationship with God, even though we do have an individual relationship with God, that it isn't just, you are my God, but you are our God. Do we ever need a reminder of that more than right now, Um, that we need each other, that our relationship with God is not just about my God, but that he is our God. I read this week um, a news article that was talking about the different countries and how they are handling um, stopping the spread of the virus, and it talked about how cultures and countries that have a much more um, communal culture are having an easier time of stopping the spread because they already think collectively about responses to things. When they make decisions and choices, they're thinking about the community. And it talked about how in America, we are struggling because we are much more individualistic and we we enjoy our independence and we think about what we want and, and don't necessarily think about the whole first And uh, we can see that with how people are choosing to be in contact with other people and gather together, even though um, our government and scientists are all recommending that we shouldn't do that, that that puts the whole community at risk. And we also see how people are kind of hoarding right now, right, they're hoarding food and toilet paper, And it's that instinct of protecting my own, right? My people or um, just my family instead of thinking about how that actually affects everyone. Right now, it isn't going to work for us to think only about ourselves. We have to think about the community. And so it's a perfect time to pray this prayer. The Lord is our God. Pay attention to that and don't forget The last Hebrew phrase is the phrase Adonai Ahad, which is translated uh, the Lord is one. Now because of Hebrew grammar, we're not really sure if the idea is that God is the only God or that um, God is alone in being God in our lives. And I know that that's a subtle difference. Um, We know that the Jews, we see repeatedly throughout the Old Testament that they get in trouble with God because they go back to um, worshiping other uh, gods besides uh, Yahweh, and, and um, so their relationship with Yahweh suffers. And I think sometimes when we think about our own lives, it's, um, that gets lost on us a little bit because most of us um, haven't ever worshiped another god. You know, that isn't part of our... Um, our life and so it's it's important for us to kind of think about when we we're saying this that uh, the Lord is our God our uh, the Lord is one what we are saying here in our context is that God is solely the one that we look to to sustain us that we look to to protect us that we look to to get our identity and our worth from now I'm going to um, apologize for this reference in advance. Um, It's kind of silly, but uh, many Americans, many people around the world are distracting themselves from kind of the stressful time by watching some pretty um, silly television. And one of those things is uh, the show The Bachelor, uh, which my daughters have kind of recruited me into watching and, um, it's a very silly premise. The idea is that The Bachelor, this one guy, uh, dates all these women at the same time and, uh, then he breaks up with one one at a time and till the very end where he chooses between two women, one he breaks up with and the other he proposes to, and then they're supposed to get married and, like, have this happy marriage. Um, What could possibly go wrong with all of that? So uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, the finale of the last season um, happened, and we saw Peter, the bachelor, uh, one of the girls decides to leave on her own, and so he decides to propose to the other lovely uh, woman named Hannah Ann, and um, they decide... To get married, she accepts, and then a few months later, they get together, and he admits that he still has feelings for this other woman that he was dating at the same time. And she kind of talks to him and says that it's unacceptable that he would have be that he would be um, engaged to her, that he would propose to her, and still have feelings for this other woman. that That um, that was unacceptable to her, which should not come as a surprise to anyone. Um, Good for her for standing for her values. And it shouldn't surprise us that God feels the same way, that he wants to be unique in our lives, Um, that he wants to have a special place in our relationship with him that is different than any other relationship in our life. And I don't believe that it's just because God is a jealous God. We see that he's referred to as a a jealous God in scripture. But I think it's also that God knows that he's really the only one who can fill that spot in our lives, that that it feels the same way for us when we get um, our value and our worth from him and that anything from any other place, um, it isn't going to feel the same way. And so... He says, pay attention. God is our God alone, the only one in our lives that we should have this kind of relationship with. Now, it has only been a week uh, for most of us to be at home, and most likely we're going to have several weeks in our future. Um, But it made me start to think about all the choices I make in my life um, because I'm going to see other people during the day and how I might not make those same choices when I'm just at home with my family. Uh, Just for example, the clothes that I wear, right? So um, on Sundays, I will dress up a little bit more, I do my makeup, I do my hair, and um, when I'm just at home with my family, I kind of just worry about being comfortable, right? And I imagine many of you um, did that this week. You wore comfy clothes. Uh, maybe you wore nice shirts on top because you had to video conference with people, but um, you're wearing your pajama bottoms um, underneath, you know, and maybe today you're in your pajamas too because you're watching this video and that's that's fine. But just think about um, all the time and energy and money that we spend what we look like because we're going to see other people. That there's reasons why we do that, that we want other people's approval or we want them to um, accept us. And so that's one way that we kind of change um, how we act based on who we're around. But it might not be that for you. Um, Maybe it's that you worry about who you're hanging out with, like who's inviting you to things and what are the cool things that you do. And right now you can't really do that. Um, And so, you know, how do you feel accepted and worthy if you're not getting invited to things? Or maybe um, you find yourself when you're around other people that you um, want to impress them with your words. Maybe you want to be funny, um, entertaining, maybe you want to be kind of the smartest person, you want to impress them with the things you know. And right now, you can't do that. Um, and most likely, if you're home with your family, they aren't impressed by you at all. Um, that Those days are over. And so you seriously need to think about What did you worry about when you were around people all the time that you don't really worry about now that you're stuck at home? And the question is, could this be a time for us to realign our need to ask and to seek love and approval from those other than God? And can God really be our Lord alone? Can we get our identity from God alone? Anthony DeMello was an Indian Jesuit priest, and he wrote this book, uh, The Way to Love. And in it, he writes about kind of our practice, um, even as Christians, of getting our identity from others instead of God. And so he um, writes about some reflective questions to ask yourself. He says, look at your life and see how you have filled its emptiness with people. As a result, they have a stranglehold on you. See how they control your behavior by their approval or disapproval. They hold the power to ease your loneliness with their company, to send your spirit soaring with their praise, or to bring you down to the depths with their criticism and rejection. Take a look at yourself spending almost every waking moment of your day placating and pleasing people. Whether they are living or dead, you live by their norms. You conform to their standards. You seek their company and desire their love. You dread their ridicule. You long for their applause and you meekly submit to the guilt they lay upon you. You are terrified to go against the fashion in the way you dress or speak or act or even think and observe how even when you control them, you depend on them and are enslaved by them people have become so much a part of your being that you cannot even imagine living a life that is unaffected or uncontrolled by them. So could this be a time for us to realign our need, to seek love and approval from those other than God? Can God truly be our Lord alone? And can we get our identity from God alone? Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." So I have to admit that I didn't know a lot about the Shema prayer and the practices of praying this prayer a lot before um, preparing for this teaching several weeks ago. And one of the things I learned was that um, when Jewish people recite this prayer, that they do it um, covering their eyes with their right hand. So they'll say, you know, pray like this. and The idea, there's kind of two um, things that are helpful by doing that. Um, The first is the idea that it just kind of helps just like keep you present and keep out all the other distractions in your day that surround us. And I think that's true for us and a struggle for us all when we're praying, that we're trying to be present. We're trying to be present with the words and and what we're saying and connecting to God with them. And so um, that is why they cover their eyes. But another idea has come along that is helpful, um, covering your eyes. Uh, Some Jewish leaders say that we cover our eyes because it would be difficult to express complete faith in God while looking at the pain in the world around us and i think that is true for us today too that we're going to see a lot of pain around us and it's going to cause um maybe some doubt and um and it's okay to acknowledge that and i think it's still helpful to pray this prayer even when we're struggling with that when we're struggling with doubt and uh and that is what we've seen the Jewish people do for generations. When we think of the years and years of pain and suffering that the Jewish people have endured, and yet they have still prayed this prayer and they found comfort in in the prayer and have been able to find and continue having faith in God while praying it. So I think about you know the prayers of the Jewish people who were in exile in Babylon that we see in the Old Testament And how they would have prayed this prayer every morning and every night, you know, praying that someday after generations that they would return back to their homeland. Or thinking about the Jews in Jesus's time, including Jesus, who prayed this prayer and they lived under the rule of the Roman Empire. And so many of them prayed that a Messiah would come and and that the government would change um, and that they would no longer uh, live under another person's rule. And then you think about the years that have followed that and um, years of the Jewish people being marginalized and displaced and persecuted and killed. And through those generations, Jews have taught their children to pray this prayer and they've covered their eyes and this prayer has helped them through that pain, through the fear and through the suffering and even through the time of doubt. I read about this week several different um, personal testimonies of people who prayed this prayer, um, even when they were going through really difficult times, in particular, several um, testimonies of um, Jews who went through the Holocaust, and and they talked about praying this prayer every day. One man in particular, um, who is a psychiatrist, Viktor Frankl, he talked about how he kept this small little piece of paper with the Hebrew uh, words of this prayer written on it in his pocket, in his you know prison uniform, and that it was a reminder of saying this prayer and the and the legacy really of the prayer and of his people and how they used that prayer to get through really tough times in their lives. And so he wrote a book called *Man's Search for Meaning*, and in it he says. Um, There is nothing in the world that would so effectively help one to survive even the worst conditions as the knowledge that there is meaning in one's life. And for him, um, praying the prayer helped him remember where the meaning in life came from, that it was his relationship with God, his love for God. And so he says, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. So friends, I don't really know how long this is going to last, um, and I I don't know um, how long and how bad it's going to get for us and for each of you. Uh, but I do know that it's really helpful for us to look to the people who have suffered great pain and loss and learn from them what has helped them have hope, find comfort and strength in their relationship with God. And so I think this is the perfect time for us to pray the Shema each day when we rise and before we go to sleep. Suffering really does have the potential to change us for the better. It is where our faith grows sometimes the most is when we're going through difficult times. And I think this, time in our lives really for our nation and really our world is one of those times for all of us. And so uh, I look forward to the day that we all get to be together again where we can freely hug one another and kiss one another. Um, But until that day, I ask that you join me in praying this really important prayer, the Shema, each day. And when you do, I hope that you remember that you just join a long line of people who have prayed this prayer in times of confusion, um, and they have found comfort in the practice of praying these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for my people right now, the people of Everyday Church. Lord, I pray that you would be very near them, that you would be our one and only God, but that we would remember that you are our God, that you have brought us together, that we have a people that we think about and we pray about and we reach out to and that we are connected to, even though we may not be able to be in the same room together. Lord, I pray that you would grow us, that you would make us more like you through um, this time, Lord. I pray that you would give wisdom and strength to our um, first responders, to people in the medical, um, in the hospitals, nurses, all of those who are, are trying to help heal really the world, Lord. We pray for Um, people who are separate from their families, whether um, their families are in different countries or um, different places, and I pray that you would connect us and that we would have peace even through such a trying time, Lord. Lord, we pray that we would love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So we are going to be putting messages up every week for you, and we are going to try to gather together. We're going to check on you, and we're going to still be God's people together. Um, Please reach out to us um, if you need something, if you are sick. Uh, We really want to be spreading the word and and staying connected. Uh, We love you all. Have a great day.